0: Welcome to the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown, and I'm Vic Versiero. and I always love having an opportunity to catch up with some of our regular guests on the show, and somebody that I have a great deal of respect for and has a distinguished career. His name is Pat O'Keefe. He's the founder and CEO of O'Keefe. Pat, welcome to our show again. happy to be here. Yeah, well, it's always good to catch up with you. I never know what's going on in your world, and it's always good to see what kind of headlines you're making. And I just thought I'd share with the audience, before we get too far down the road, that you just recently made some pretty cool headlines. There's an organization called Turnaround Management Association, and they gave somebody that you know pretty well their Lifetime Management Award. So that was the 2000. Twenty-two Lifetime Management Award—they honored you with. That's pretty cool, Pat. You know,
1: it really was, Vic. I, you know, the Turnaround Management Association is our professional organization. It's an international organization that really governs the professionals that do turnarounds of distressed entities. And so, to be recognized with a Lifetime Achievement Award. Which is essentially like going into their Hall of Fame. Yeah, was very rewarding. It was very rewarding. Well, no um, doubt.
0: And of course, and I guess when you think about being in that space, you've had quite a distinguished career. How long has it been that you've kind of been in that arena doing that kind of work? Over thirty years now. Rick. Wow, that certainly yeah. feels like a lifetime, doesn't it? <laughs> it you know what? It, it does. I always like to tell everybody it's not the years, it's the mileage on me, you know, so I think that sometimes is where you go is you've had the miles that you put on and if you added up all of the airline flights, the rubber chicken dinners, and all the other things you went through to earn that, I think uh, it's management well earned right there.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, the login to the Million Mile Club at Delta is not a badge of honor.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, you're spending too
0: much time in airplanes. Hey, personal question. How tall are you, Pat. 6.1. Yeah, and so six one does doesn't fit into a Delta Airlines seat very well, so yeah. I, I understand right. what you're talking about. Well, yeah. Pat, I'm glad to catch up with you, but you know, and I wanted to make sure the, the audience was aware of some of your recent successes, but before we get plowing too far down the road, because I want to talk to you about something very specific today. Give everybody that maybe missed a couple of our previous visits a little bit about O'Keefe and what you and your team do. And it's a large team. You've got quite a group of distinguished people there, but just give us kind of the elevator speech of what that's all about.
1: Yeah, happy to do that. Great passion for what we do. You know, we are a strategic and financial advisory firm. So in short strokes, you know, we're hired guns for trouble with an entities that is typically non-recurring and something that they typically don't have the depth or breadth of management or experience to tackle. So when you look at what that could be, that could be, you know, when you're looking at a turnaround situation, it could be the loss of a major customer that's causing a disruption in the business. It could be not paying your bills as they come due. It could be something that jeopardizes the sustainability of the organization that is usually something that was unforeseen by management, and now they have to deal with. We also do merger and acquisition work. You know, we're helping people bring in partners, sell their businesses in succession plans. And to the extent that they have, you know, litigation and lawsuits that are causing business disruption, we also do the economic quantification of damages in business cases. So we truly are you know, hired guns for trouble. We have probably the largest firm in Michigan. We're independent, which I love to say because yeah. we haven't had private equity investment. We've got 22 dedicated professionals with a lot of experience in doing this. And they're not only great people, but they're very competent in what we do with a great passion to make an impact in the community with successful transactions.
0: Well, Pat, we've got a lot of business leaders, CEOs, and different business people in leadership positions and organizations that tune into this show and listen to the Michigan Business Network. But you know, one of the things that I think, if you want to have some fun, just go to your website, O'Keefe, and look up some of the things you guys are involved with. And I'm like, oh my goodness, the things you get involved with, frankly, Pat, are kind of headline stuff. I mean, if your organization is involved with any of those things, your company might be making news, maybe not in a good way, and maybe need some help. And I think that's really what's so exciting to think about some of the work that you do. But I want to say how interesting that is. But I also want to say thank you for your service over at MSU Trustees. You were involved with that organization. And, Pat, that's one of the things I want to talk to you today about is your work overall and your views on the education and the state of education in our state. We don't have a whole lot of time before our first segment is up, but I did want to ask you about the role of a trustee and tell me just an overview of what that was at MSU and tell me what you did there while you were on that board.
1: Well, you know, that's a fair question because I would say Most people really don't know what trustees do and what they're charged with. So in a pure sense, it's no different than being on any other board. You're charged with oversight and governance. And so, you know, when you look at the bylaws for Michigan State University, the trustees really have only two duties. One is the health, safety, and welfare of the students on campus. And the second is being fiduciarily responsible for how money gets spent at MSU. And that's really it. I mean we don't stick our nose into hiring practices or you know, other aspects of the operation of the university. We're there really just to provide, you know, governance and oversight in those key areas.
0: I like to say stay in your lane Is that's so important in those big positions. And of course I'm looking forward to talking to you about education today, Pat, and how that builds into the importance of some of the career paths that we take and the leadership opportunities that we have in our world. And we're going to do that right after this break. So we're going to take just a minute here on the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Verschereau. We'll be right back. And we're back right here on Leadership Lowdown on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero with the incredible Pat O'Keefe, and he is the founder and CEO of O'Keefe, doing a lot of great things in Michigan and recognized by many as purely a leader doing great things. And Pat, we didn't have a lot of time to end of that segment as we talked about MSU trustee position that you held. You know, I'm curious Public office is interesting. Tell me, what inspired you to take that position or to get involved in that position? Because you got to run for office on that.
1: Yeah, you know, Vic, some people would question my uh, intelligence for wanting to do that. <laughs> but, you know, it's been a passion of mine. Education has. Most of the charitable endeavors that I pursue revolve around education. My parents instilled that, you know, as a family, that education was important. I was the first one to go to college in my family. And so I served prior to Michigan State and Cleary University's board, which was a small college out of Ann Arbor. It started out as a writing college, and then they moved to Livingston County and expanded their offerings. I had been on the advisory board for the University of Detroit, Oakland University, and Michigan State prior to joining the regular board Mm. in terms of setting policy for accounting and finance offerings and working with the professors to give students, you know, a big opportunity to interface with the business community and understand how to apply the tools that they're learning in the classroom in real life situations. So one of the premises that you know had always troubled me when I went to Michigan State, my credit hour cost me fifteen dollars an hour.
0: <laughs> and at a time when
1: minimum wage was a buck and a quarter. So I'm really dating myself. Right. But I could, if I worked hard during the summer, you know, oftentimes doing two and three jobs, I could essentially, you know, put together a couple thousand dollars and pay my way through school. And today, that cannot happen for kids that are going to college, and their funding sources are either their parents or the U.S. government in some capacity with grant programs. And education doesn't seem to really care because the bunny always seems to show up. And I don't believe that is either a sustainable or competitive advantage going forward that is going to be maintained. And so my hope was, having studied this you know, in numerous other instances, to provide a different lens to Michigan State University on financial decisions, In operations of the university. And it was really a give back. You don't get paid. Let's start there. Yeah, right. There's no payment. And, you know, I never took a free ticket from there. I always paid for any ticket that I used, which weren't many, because I didn't want anybody to think that a $50 ticket could possibly cover my hourly rate. Mm, Very good. I (laughs) like that. And, you know, it was just philosophically, I wasn't there to be a taker, I was there to be a giver. And so, a lot of time working hard doing the due diligence. So what I found is that not everybody was, I guess, at the same viewpoint or lens. You, know, you had people that were using it as you know, aspirational positions to other political opportunities. You had people that, you know, it was a community status for them. There were a number of Lansing and East Lansing board members in there that like to hobnob around with their neighbors and who are professors or sports coaches. And the focus was disturbing to me, you know, as a fiduciary. And it was hard, I gotta be honest with you. It was very hard and unsatisfying at my alma mater. And one of the things, you know, they say when you see the sausage get made, yeah, that yeah. you don't need sausage anymore. And that's why, I, after two years, felt about Michigan State is that I was very disillusioned. The university had changed a lot over the last 50 years and not in a positive way. And I saw these students who need hope. They need hope. And I think the university atmosphere sucks it out of them. And they do it in a lot of ways by overpricing the educational offering that they get and the lack of really developing coherent strategies for students to be gainfully employed contributing members of our society going forward. And I was just not impressed. And if you look at, I did a lot of research on this, because I'm a numbers guy and a data guy, and information is power. But if you look at, like, Purdue University, the guy who runs Purdue, Mitch, i missing his last name, but he's got the best value as determined by graduating senior salaries to tuition costs within the Big Ten. Now, he also has the lowest tuition costs, and the professors there don't make as much as professors at other Big Ten universities, but he has a real value-add model that people find attractive, Mitch Daniels. he He also doesn't want to be everything to everybody, so he looks at, you know, the ROI on certain course offerings and so like just say for example and i'll get this number wrong but maybe michigan state's got 50 colleges well mitch has got half that at purdue and he's decided that he's going to have demonstrated academic excellence in the business school in the engineering school and you know certain things where kids can be gainfully employed coming out and he's going to spend less time on writing creative writing So, Pat, to your
0: point, it's focus on excellence in certain arenas, right? So I think that's really a great point, and I think that's really an excellent thing. I want to hear more about that right after the break. We're going to take a quick break right here on Leadership Lowdown and come right back. This is the Michigan Business Network. We've got Pat O'Keefe here. More to come. she And we're back right here in Leadership Lowdown with Pat O'Keefe. He is the founder and CEO of O'Keefe and doing great things. And I am taking a lot of notes, Pat, because you're really sharing some great insight on the state of education, which is such a big part of our overall country and our society and everything we do. And, of course, the world's been telling kids they've got to get to college. That's the only way to make it. And, of course, part of what you just said in the last segment is being all things to everybody. And I thought it was interesting I was on a tour one time at MSU and I'm in their livestock area and they were talking about they want to be the nation's premier lead livestock university. And I thought, well, that's great. But they were also mentioned the other leaders in that arena. I'm thinking... Do we really need to be the leader there? Should we pick where there's other spots in the country where there's not leadership, and maybe we could choose that rather than trying to say, "Oh no, we've got to be number one in all these things." So, speak to that being number one in everything. Maybe not the best recipe for the most cost-effective way to get kids through college.
1: Well, so you know, Michigan State is a land grant school, and there's several of them in the Big town. I guess an important industry major and at the university and they do wonderful things that you could only imagine Vic in terms of research and study with our food and supply chain, you know, relative to that. And so AG at Michigan State, you know, I would consider to be a core competency of the university. I'll give you some you know cases in points. So, you know, I was involved with the investigation for the terminated business school dean. And what troubled me and still troubles me to this day is here's a guy who led seven of the top nine programs that the university was recognized for which resided in the business school and sanjay i believe was a visionary in that he understood how business disciplines play in a lot of other disciplines and so he was incorporating coursework with the engineering school and the biomed side of it and the snap because if you think about it vic you know companies survive in a lot of different industries you know you say i'm going to go into business but yeah it could be business where you're managing as the ceo of a biomed company or a supply chain you know logistics company and a whole host of things and so to be able to have some basic tools And experiences in that, I think, make the core offerings that much more exciting for the student because it gives them an opportunity to not only have the core knowledge in the area that he's interested in, but maybe helps him translate that as an entrepreneur in another area. And so you've got schools like Indiana, you know, who actually have an entrepreneurial school, you know, where people can go and study and they teach you how to be a business owner. And if you look at wealth creation, especially... In the united states in the middle market and which makes our democracy strong is the ability to start your own business yeah sure you know, to take care of your families and to do things like that so some of the softer what i call liberal arts courses which a lot of students take the first two years and what i would argue have i'm not going to say no but i was going to say limited value right to you know, the student's academic experience maybe it takes up too much time, you know, relative, you know, to where the university focuses. So <laughs> let me put it to you this way. If you could get you know in my case I had an accounting degree, if I could get my accounting degree in two years at Michigan State, which is really where the bulk of my studies were in those areas.
0: Right.
1: I save half the cost. I'm employable that much faster. And you know, there are countries like Australia that do that. They get, you know, kids their junior or senior year already working towards a degree, you know, relative to that. And there is some attraction to that because it gets them in the workforce quicker and then they can start to apply some of the book learning that they had, which is another level of education, which is the real-life experience in how to apply, you know, what they're learning in school. And I think sometimes that's a lot more value than to being involved with a professor who has never been employed outside of the classroom. So, you know, they're good with the books and the theories and that, but, you know, I'm the school of hard knocks. I mean, I can tell you what you learn. I can apply it for you in about 50 different ways in different situations that I've come across in my career. And to me, that is a lot more exciting And impactful to the student. And I see it. I mean, we take two to three interns every year at my firm, year round. They work. And you know, they all come away with a different lens on what they were learning in school because they just didn't know how to apply it. And to me, that's just a
0: continuation of the educational process. Well, and I think it's so interesting when you think about that, and it's we always talk about rounding out, you know, a student And they have all of these different requirements for them to come to the class and work the class. (laughs) And then sometimes it means that they're taking some very uninspiring and seemingly unimportant classes to round out that student. But what you just spoke to was a whole notion of taking a straight line to a career path and letting them get the work experience, which helps round them out as well. So I love where you're going with that. I love some of your thoughts. It's great to have you here. We're so glad to have Pat O'Keefe right here on Leadership Lowdown. This is Vic Verschereau. We're going to take a quick break and be right back.
1: to grow. It takes time. Like the equity in your home. That's why LaughQ offers a home equity line of credit. Because frequent watering of your houseplants may be recommended. Now can we get a new roof? Not so much the rest of the house. Want the best rates for a home equity line of credit? Ask for LaughQ. Stop in today
0: or go to laughqcom slash home equity. LafQ, your credit union for life. This is the Leadership Lowdown with Pat O'Keefe, founder and CEO of O'Keefe right here on the Michigan Business Network. I'm so glad to be talking to Pat. And Pat, you know, it's almost a full-time job to try to keep up with some of the news that you make, because when I think about some of the things you get involved with, it's really quite fun to go, hey, I know that guy, and watch what you're doing. And recently, I think you've got what I think is a pretty big and important assignment-related to education that you recently took on, right? Yeah, I
1: did, Vic. I was named by the board of Finlandia University as a receiver for that school in the wind down of it. And, you know, in part because of my background in higher ed and also, you know, the discipline that I bring as the crisis manager. And it's been a unique experience, but in some ways not so unique because, you know, it's a microcosm of everything that's wrong with higher education. So by way of background, Finlandia University was a 123-year-old institution. It was started by Finnish-Americans who came over looking for work in the copper country up in the UP. They were mostly Lutherans, so a, they started a school so that they wouldn't lose their Finnish-Lutheran traditions. And then over time, the school morphed into a university. It started out as Suami College, and then it became Finlandia University. And the business model for the university was, you know, funded by a lot of the well-to-do and wealthy friends who believed in education. But over time, they had the same issue that a lot of universities in Michigan are having that are not named Michigan Tech, Michigan State University of Michigan, and that is enrollment. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a year or two ago, those three schools went after quite aggressively Michigan graduating seniors to the detriment of the Almas, Albions, Hopes, and Finlandias. And so there were fewer students available for them. Now, a lot of these schools adopt as a model to attract students because they're all D3 schools and they don't provide scholarships for athletes. So they would hold athletic programs as a way to entice Graduating seniors who wanted to play at the next level. And I want to say something like 60% of Finlandia's students actually played sports at the school.
0: Did you say 60%?
1: 60%. Wow,
0: how about that?
1: Yeah. And so when we got in there, I was trying to, and they had beautiful equipment, you know, beautiful field. The back of the field is, you know, astroturfed and, and really nice. But, you know, of all the sports to pick, you picked a very expensive one, you know, which is football. And the short answer is it's 100 students. <laughs> and so you have 100 <laughs> students coming That's in, funny. you know, that are willing to pay versus, you know, maybe a bowling team or a, a volleyball team, <laughs> right? You know, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And so, you know, so they used it to do it. And what was interesting about that is that the students who are participating – were not good students. You know, I think there was a stat that like 37% of the athletes had grade points under 2.0, which is, you know, it's pretty high. So they were educating students who probably wouldn't have gone to college. And, you know, they had a nursing school, which Michigan Tech has picked up, and they had a business college. But the rest of the offerings were, kind of haphazard i wouldn't say that they really had a strategy to be excellent in any one things at least it's been apparent to me over the last 90 days and so they had a decline in enrollment they had increased costs and they really had no place in the market as to you know why would you go to finlandia so it hurt them i would say You know, Vic, we got in there in April of this year. They were probably out of business in 2015. Oh, wow. And they figured out how to, you know, scrimp and hock every afternoon. Struggle
0: through, yeah, right.
1: You know, in order to do it. And then it just finally came to a head when they hired a new president who was like a truth broker who said, you guys are out of business. And the board didn't want to accept that, but they didn't have enough money to finish the school year. And so Tim Pinault who is probably one of the best presidents I've seen in terms of having a variety of skills to deal with a crisis situation, put together a plan to at least get through the school year and, you know, to make sure the students at least got the benefit of the bargain. Now, keep in mind, you know, at the point they're closing, they've only got maybe 300 to 350 students left. So we've got high schools in Michigan that are bigger than that. right? And so they, came up with plans to maybe get some of these kids who are at least two years through with some type of an associate degree and others they had graduating seniors so that people would walk out the door with something and then developing teach out programs. I think both Albia and Alma offered free scholarship to the Finlandia students and Michigan Tech took a couple of the programs and so, you know, people were scrambling around for students.
0: Finding a way. Well, Pat, we're going to call this a cliffhanger as we go to break because there's more to come on this. This is an interesting story about what happens when it all goes wrong and there needs to be some solutions so that we have more of these situations. But, Pat, we're glad you're sharing it right here on the Leadership Lowdown. We'll be right back after these messages. The Michigan Works Association believes the key to advancing prosperity across the state is accomplished through building a skilled workforce. As the state's primary workforce development association, their focus is to continue to move the needle on policy, education, and collaboration. They're creating an opportunity and building stronger communities by advocating and innovating together. Welcome back to Leadership Lowdown with Pat O'Keefe. He is doing a great job of telling us some of the challenges out there and some of our higher education opportunities. And he's way up in the upper part of the uh, Upper Peninsula telling us the story of Finlandia College. And so, Pat, what happens next? At this point in time, they have the epiphany that we can't make it, we're done.
1: You know, it was a sad day. You know, not unlike a lot of companies, you know, there's a state at the dial. So, you know, when Dr. Pinau put together the facts that they were out of money, the board didn't want to believe it. And they initially voted to close the university, and then a week or two later voted to open the university, that they weren't going to close
0: it, Oh no! because there were some board members still fighting over, you know, the stark
1: reality. And, you know, a lot of good people. When I gave my acceptance speech to TMA, I had an interesting situation with Judge Gerber who presided over the General Motors bankruptcy and I got a chance to interview him and we got to get to know each other before the interview and he told me something that always stuck with me Vic and it was that you know when you sit there and you make decisions and you know you're an advocate and you fight for certain things that you have to be mindful of the decisions that you're about to make and how they impact the people who are not represented in the room And he said, bankruptcy judges go to bankruptcy judges school and are taught that, the importance of being mindful in those situations. So you look at Finlandia, and while I'm sure there was a certain stigma with being on the board of a university that was going to fail, but the reality of it was I'm sitting today with teachers at the university, a couple hundred of them, that are not getting paid their summer pay so they stretch their payout over 12 months for nine months worth of work and so you know provides a steady and even cash flow for them during the year and the board by not acting quicker put these teachers at risk for not getting paid and so that's my charge now is to try to find ways you know to get it paid and you know I a couple million bucks that i got to find in order to make this happen. And none of those teachers had anything to say (laughs) about whether the university stayed open or not. But they are clearly bearing the cost.
0: Stakeholders, yeah.
1: Yeah. And so it's a travesty, and people don't look at it that way most of the time. And I think if they did, they'd make different decisions.
0: Well put, because I think some of those challenges, and that is really the big thing, is that I think it happens not only in education, but in a lot of businesses as well where there's the arrogance of I'm in charge here and there's other people that are going to be in that crossfire if the right decisions aren't made and some of those decisions aren't well thought out. There's one other thing that would come to mind if I was in that current position, it would be a sense of ego. I've got a hundred year plus entity that is going to do a nosedive while I'm at the helm, right? So if I'm a trustee there or in a leadership role there, that feels like an epic failure. And so some of that, I can see why I would find a way to struggle through for a few more years just out of hope that it's not going to end on my watch, right? I mean, that's got to be part of it.
1: Well, and to that end, Vic, I mean, that's insightful on your part because when Dr. Pinnow, who just got to the university, explained, the stark realities of the situation half the board wanted to fire him because they didn't <laughs> right. want to hear that you know that maybe he was part of the problem and you know not that they had any different set of facts or wanted to rebut what he was saying it's just the course that they had to go through was unacceptable and they didn't want to do it and you know when you make decisions like that people get hurt
0: yeah yep
1: and in this case i mean i wake up every day trying to figure out how to get these teachers paid. Mm. And, you know, I'm a resourceful guy and I'm creative and I'm going to get this done. It's not as easy as I thought it was because, you know, circumstances change, but it's going to happen. And, you know, it's hard and it's uncertain. And the people who bear the cost of the board's lack of diligence are people who weren't in the room. Right. You know, that's a travesty. And if you think about it, Vic, I'm the third largest employer in Hancock. So not only did I lose 350 students who were in Hancock, I lost 250 teaching jobs. That's 600 people in a town of 4,000.
0: And those are not low-paying jobs. I know they may not be the kind of paying jobs of a Big Ten university, but for that area and any area... That's got to be better than just some of the minimum-wage, low-income jobs. So the economic footprint is massive for something like this. 100%.
1: 100%. You know, those are good jobs, and, you know, they're not there anymore.
0: You know, and then when you think about it, it's the ripple effect of all of those things that happen when things go south, because it's not only just the jobs themselves— but it's the, that income was going to support other people in the community that is doing other services, whether it's the guy repairing the cars, selling the cars, or putting a new roof on the houses. That all is impacted right there. And, wow, Pat, really insightful opportunity to talk to you today. So glad you joined us here on Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network. We'll be right back. This is Dick Bergerow right here on The Leadership Lowdown. And we're back here on The Leadership Lowdown with Pat O'Keefe. And he makes me smile because he's got such a depth of knowledge and some of the information that he's sharing today. And Pat, off the air, I said that's why we pay you the big bucks is because you make some wonderful predictions and are able to kind of look into crystal balls here. I'm going to ask you to polish up the crystal ball and talk about your thoughts moving forward on what are some of the solutions, what are some of the directions that we need to take heat on while there's still time for universities that are not in the Finlandia situation—they maybe have an opportunity to before it's too late.
1: You know, this is the fun part. I've got certain friends of mine who refer to me as Nostradamus because I like making predictions on stuff. And yes. I, <laughs> I just a lot of information and then will say some outlandish things, and sometimes they come true. But I'll go on the hook here and say that there will be failures in Michigan of higher ed institutions. A lot of the Division three programs are all struggling what they got to be careful of is that they don't spend their restricted endowments, which is very tempting when you're having financial difficulties. Sure,
0: big pots of money sitting there, right?
1: Yeah, the demographics in Michigan do not bode well for higher ed as it's structured today. So I think there's going to be a push for two-year colleges where people will come out with a trade or some other employable skill, and it's not going to cost them a home mortgage to get
0: it. Pat, I'm sorry, are those vocational schools in your mind?
1: Yeah, some are. I mean, I'll give you a good example. So, one of the gentlemen I'm dealing with up in Hancock has started a charter school up there. And he's in the real estate development business. And he can't get people who are plumbers and electricians and swing hammers as carpenters and that. And those are good jobs. And so... He is part of the curriculum at the high school are going to put in a vocational training so that kids upon graduating high school will have a trade that they can at least jump into and then decide where they want to go from there after they earn a basic skill. I'll give you some crazy observations. So I'm up there in Hancock and Holt. I've never been there in my life. And it's like jumping back 100 years. In the year. I don't think there's been a can of paint uh, used in that town forever.
0: Oh, fair. It's
1: so different than what I'm used to. But one of the great jewels up there is Michigan Tech, who probably, I don't know what the numbers are, but they probably graduate a 1,000 engineers a year. Very highly regarded school. And yet, as I told you, Hancock, and I don't know what population of Houghton is, but I'm going to guess it's not much more, only has 4,000 people in it. So – I sit there and I see our governor puts this uh, chip manufacturer in Big Rapids, Mount Pleasant area. And so I'm thinking to myself, all right, in order to have a chip manufacturing plant, on average, you need about 12 million gallons of clean water to process chips. There's not a lot of water in the middle of the state, but there's a sure heck of a lot of it. Up in the Houghton Hancock areas, Lake Superior wraps around <laughs> the whole area. That's a pretty area. good sized
0: puddle. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, around the whole area. And then you've got a thousand engineers graduating every year. And so you've got the talent and the resources right there to make that area a high tech hub. And to me, while there's not a lot of voters up there yet, that place over time, I think, will have a unique attraction. You know, we're dealing with a local realtor now who's helping me sell some of the real estate on campus. I said, who buys in Hancock? And he said, you'd be surprised. The people who come from California and other places that want a outdoor lifestyle. And, you know, if you were to take this in Colorado, you'd pay 10 times as much for it. And so the cost of living up there is still cheap. And we have these kind of jewels in our state that we don't take advantage of. Amen. And, you know, there would be a real opportunity, in my mind, to embrace, you know, Michigan Tech and the UP and really develop a strategy to make that a tech center. I really believe that. And, you know, based on the feeble attempts of the MEDC and other governmental institutions to put incubation centers up there, I think there's a bigger plot. I really do. And so... You know, as a state, we've got to do a better job of that because unless we attract people from the outside, we're in a state of declining population, which often means declining economics. That's Uh, not good for anybody.
0: I think you just hit the nail on the head, you know, and look this show isn't political. It's not meant to be, but I can just tell you that you said a lot when you said there's not a lot of voters up there. To me, that tells me, oh, golly, is that the way we make decisions? Because I think about places like San Antonio, Texas, it's got an old river that ran through it. And what they did is they rerouted the river and put cement bottoms into the river and created the river walk. And now it's one of the larger convention cities around the country. Well, we have this abundance of water in Michigan. And to your point, trying to think of through and making wise decisions is really what it's all about and just putting people through the grinder of higher education rather than thoughtfully thinking about helping them get employed and making great contributions to our great state man it's a swing and a miss if we don't get that right and guys like you pat are the people and the reason why we're getting it right in so many ways pat thanks so much for being a part of this we really appreciate you
1: Vic, it's always a pleasure happy to be on your show it's always good to talk to somebody who's you know got a real keen eye for some of the issues that are out there and willing to talk about it so i thank you for your time
0: great stuff you're the best so glad you're in michigan so glad you tuned in to the michigan business network right here in the leadership lowdown i'm vic verseril i can't wait to talk to you next time